Welcome to another episode of SPD's Who the F Did That? Our special guests this episode are Marshall McKinney and Amy Feidelberg. Dude, what's going on? All right, let's start this some bitch. Well, hey, Amy Feidelberg. It's good to um, hear your voice. I'm so glad we could get on the phone and talk shop. Um, maybe we should tell everyone a little bit about ourselves and a little bit about our background and how we know each other and what we do today. All okay. right, I'll start. I'm Amy Feidelberg. I started in my career. I'm, I'm a photo person. I have had many titles. Um, I've had many jobs. I actually started off on the editorial side. In fact, I think that's something you and I have in common that we For both started sure. off on the writing side. And, um, I was a reporter and a fact checker in New York City. I started as an unpaid intern at New York Magazine and then got worked up to being a paid fact checker and whatever. And the career goes on. And then I was like, photography is where it's at for me. And I kind of started shooting. And then I went get kept getting sucked back to magazines because that's what I knew. And then I went to Outside Magazine where I was an assistant photo editor. The illustrious place Collision. where you and I met. Right. <laughs> That's where our worlds collided. The coastal Jew in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Then I worked my way up to be the top dog at Outside. And then I went to Los Angeles Magazine, where I was for five years and a bit. It went by like a snap. And then I was like, I can't. I can't work at another magazine um, uh, because a there's I've topped out. There's nowhere more to get creative or where Preach to it. go. And, Preach it. And and B and B because uh magazines are having a real tough time that I don't know they'll come back from. So yeah. um I I was looking around. They told us they were gonna put Los Angeles magazine up for sale. I was looking around. I I saw a job for a photo art director at this company called Square. I was like I've seen that thing at food trucks. Sure why not? And um I sent my stuff into the black hole of the interweb and I got the job. Yeah, you and, did. Um, and what's interesting, and I've been here two and a half years and I've been made the lead of photo art direction here, which is fantastic. But um, what's really interesting to me is that for, for them, I, I was the first editorial hire they had made in the visual department. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone they told me before had come to them from, tech or from ad agencies. And I thought that was really interesting because I, th I think that they hadn't even thought about someone like me existing. I don't think they were even, you know, they they're yeah. probably don't even read magazines. I don't know. They just right. didn't even really think about it as somewhere they would recruit from. So then when they saw my resume and my my portfolio, they're like, dang, why do we keep getting the same person over and over? <laughs> Let's do something yeah. different. Yeah. So that's how I got to be here. There, there's no doubt. Story. There's no doubt in my mind that magazine thinking uh, uh, has a huge impact on what you do there and what you bring to the table. Um, there's no doubt about it. And so it's fortuitous that they finally arrived at you and found you, I think, and probably benefited them immensely. So my name is Marshall McKinney. Been in magazines for as long as I can remember. I uh, got my graduate degree in journalism and then kind of sort of found my way into an art department. About the time that I arrived for an internship at Outside, several decades ago, which sounds so strange to say. I was like, wow. But that's this is... not when we met. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not when we met. We met. Yeah. That's right. We met on my second stint there. But, um, yeah. but uh, uh, I started out there. 
I quickly discovered that all the cool kids were over in the art department and that's where I wanted to be. And, um, actually it was the only, uh, internship they had available. So I just fooled them and said, yeah, hell I can do this. But I started out there and then roamed around the West working at a number of magazines, pretty much in that sort of action sport lifestyle genre for the most part. Fell in love with a girl, moved to Philadelphia, did some time there. It took a break from magazines for the for about six months and then made my way back out to the West, worked at a bunch of magazines in Boulder before returning to Santa Fe to help launch Outsides Go. That's where we met, did a stint there, and then got called back to the South with the launch of Garden Gun magazine when Sid Evans, who at the uh, who had come to Garden Gun from Field and Stream, gave me a buzz and said, "You're a Southerner. Come, come check out Charleston." And I thought, "Well, let's do it." And I did, and I'm grateful for it. And I've been here for almost 12 years. Um, and it's been I can't believe it. I know, right? 12 years. Uh, it's been 12 years, and for a guy who moved like every two years for a decade, it was unexpected. But uh, I found something that I really, I really enjoyed the content, and I really enjoyed the people I was building, uh, building the brand with. So that's so important, isn't it, to really sort of vibe with the people and connect with the people around you. Um, I think connecting with the people you work with, but also what you just said is connecting with the brand. And I think that is hugely important. And I have to say it was one of my biggest fears leaving publishing because mm -hmm. when you work at magazines and you love what they do and you love the stories they tell and you love the message and all of this, everything we do, that's Mm -hmm. the funnest part of putting together our magazine, Mm -hmm. storytelling, meeting crazy people, Uh-huh. eating great food, seeing the, you know, whatever that, that lens is through the, the brand of the magazine and going, knowing you're going to the commercial sector and being like, am yeah. I going to feel like a soulless drone? Like, is, am I right. going to hate this? And that I was so freaked out, but I have to say like, For me, like I 100% believe in the message of Square. They're about economic empowerment. They're about small business. And mm-hmm. my dad was a small businessman. And I totally get this. And and it's it, what's weird is that I do equally, if not more, storytelling now than mm-hmm. I did in publishing. Well, that's great. Do you feel like yeah. you're sort of driving uh, the creative culture there too and helping them kind of sort of learn that that vocabulary or did they have some of that by the time you got there I think they had some of it I it would be too much to put on me that I'm I'm driving that I don't think that I came in with that idea but I think Mm -hmm. that I definitely have the ability to help shape those ideas and Mm -hmm. also what seems to have blown everyone away it's really funny here because a this is a creative internal creative team at a financial tech company. So that's one thing, but Mm -hmm. then be and the creatives are fantastic and they're really smart and they're really interesting, but they don't come up the way we came up. Like Mm -hmm. they on a daily basis, cannot believe all the people that I know. They're always like, well, ask Amy because she knows everybody. Well, I know everybody because I spent 15 effing years, like, Mm -hmm finding everybody cultivating <laughs> yeah. relationships right and getting to know photographers well, from sure. all over oh they you, just can't believe that i know all the people that i know and that yeah. that i've spent all, all this time cultivating all these relationships finding these people photographers artists uh production people all over the mm-hmm. world and and also because 
when you're at a magazine and you know this, you wear more than one hat. You, That's right. Uh, you have to be able, you're producing and art directing and production managing and and mm-hmm. everything you're doing it all mm-hmm. and um especially these days with with um departments uh smaller and smaller and smaller yeah and budgets tighter and tighter and tighter and the apps mm-hmm. are bigger and bigger and bigger so you're just you're figuring out how to do everything and so sure. all of that skill that i built brought here has super has been really invaluable let me ask you um because i'm curious about life on the other side some a uh, prag- couple pragmatic questions um yes when you acquire photography are you renting it yes. for a 90-day period the way we do or do you own it outright we own it outright well we don't I mean, when we when we hire photographers, uh, well, we have two different models going here. We have somebody who is a staff photographer who mm-hmm. was somebody who started here as a researcher and morphed into a staff photographer before I got here. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I had a negative connotation with that before I got here. He's fantastic. Great. Um, he is amazing. His name is Terrence Borden, and he is mm-hmm. a beautiful photographer and a very wonderful man. And then... Um, so, but we still, we do so much work. We, we definitely don't, we can't put everything on Terrence. So we also hire out quite a bit. Um, and we, we now negotiate full buyouts. When, um, yeah. when I first got here two and two years and 10 months ago or something, I was coming in just at the cusp where they were starting to do that before mm-hmm. they were doing licensing deals, not for 90 days, the way, um, editorial would do it but they were doing like one year licensing deals and then rebuying all the assets that they had created and that was becoming prohibitively expensive Mm -hmm. and it was just a better way to do it and especially because at square currently we have not been doing big ad buys in terms of going out of home into billboards and um Mm -hmm. you know bus ads and all that stuff we don't do a tremendous amount of that so for us we tend to run all of our images mostly on our website our paid channels our marketing channels and direct mail pieces and they're used internally all over the place for case studies for sales pitches for all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but um we don't see a ton of the work that we create out in the world Um, got it which actually has been a frustration point for me. And I have actually um, come back around to mm-hmm. publishing because of that. Well, aren't you on in the avant-garde? I hope everyone in digital will come back around to the, to the publishing piece in one facet well, or another, I, you know? I think they are. I think you only need to look around to see how many digital companies are becoming content creators That's and right. are creating um, uh, custom publications. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that the, it's going to be a really interesting thing to see in the future if the tech companies become sort of publishing houses, if you will, mm-hmm. um, over the traditionals. I wanted to ask, do you do a lot of video things too? Do, do you all have... Tra- I know we have we... an entire video team. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. But again, I find the channels for getting that work out are pretty small. We produce so much stuff here, but our... I don't see a ton of it out in the world. And um, I mean, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but Mm -hmm. I know that we are working on changing that. But wait, so in 
because we can keep talking about me all day. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, <laughs> let's talk about you. You have been at a brand for 12 years. You have been there through the worst of the worst times, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the big crash. The great recession. Mm-hmm. The great recession. You got there kind of around that time, no? Like right before? Right before. Uh, there was this incredible spirit of optimism and excitement and money was flowing. It was the strangest thing. It was like in a, in a month's time, <laughs> everything became so dire. In a weird way, Amy, it you know it was kind of like a cleansing by fire. So many magazines, because we were young and we were just starting out, we had a lot of flexibility, and a lot of us had come from all over. And we're here in Charleston, and we're we're like, well, there's no, it's not like New York. You can't just, you know, go to the magazine down the hall or down the street or on a different floor. Um, you kind of, we kind of just got really stubborn and dug in and just said, well, you know, we'll do, we'll do more with less and we'll just, we'll just keep coming in. So there was yeah, this but moment. Now you've yeah. made it, you've made it all this time. You've been there 12 years. It started yes. only like a minute before you got there, right? Yep. You've been there 12 years through all the hard times, but that magazine garden gun mm-hmm. has seemed to, from my estimation has seemed to thrive um, despite the fact that it's not every month, that it's mm-hmm. a Southern regional magazine that it, mm-hmm. I believe is a single owner mm-hmm. and it's won a million awards. And so yeah. what is the key that is it, is it all of those things that's made it successful? Is it been successful in spite of itself? Like why have you guys hung on to well, in a pretty healthy way? The irony is that having launched this thing during a recession, we wanted to amp up. We wanted to do, you know, 10 or 12 issues a year, but the economy, you know, made it obvious that that wasn't going to happen. So we were going to slowly amp up from four to six to eight to 10. And no sooner did we go from six to eight, the recession hit. And so in a weird way, it sort of helped inform our model, we decided, well, let's just do six and let's just pour as much energy and love into the product as we can. So, so what's happened is going forward is we didn't know any better. We were just, we've lost one person on all this time on the editorial side. Well, a couple, but uh, one important person that was our editor in chief. And then my, my, um, our managing editor, our uh, editorial director at the time, Dave Benedetto was able to just sort of slip into that role and became our editor-in-chief. And so, so much of the original crew is still here, which is, is really great. And two, there's no other place for us to go. And three, we just sort of focused on doing something on really great stock, really great uh, at a really large trim size. And we try to roll it out in a way that makes it feel special so that when it lands on your coffee table, you don't want to, you know, which that coffee table, let's face it, that's... That's real expensive real estate, and that's where you want to live. And and if you put out a, a product of quality, hopefully it goes off the coffee table and onto a bookshelf. And we just created this sort of cult following with our readers. They just love it. And uh, it's it's unlike anything I've ever been a part of. It reminds, it reminds me of my passion for Outside Magazine some 20 years ago, and that's the magazine that ultimately that and Rolling Stone were the ones that – really got me excited about going into publishing and and pursuing this as a career. So I think, you know, 
part of the the formula baked in to the success of Garden Gun is just just the circumstances uh, uh, and the hard birth, you know, coming around when we did in the middle of that recession, just forced everybody to be as creative as they could be, to be lean, to not, we, we you know, we don't have a whole lot of waste here. Um, we don't, we're very um, thoughtful about what we, what we try to accomplish um, because we can't afford to, you know, throw it away. Um, because it didn't work. It, it almost has to work. And so just some of those things have sort of helped us grow and change and evolve. And plus we're a little bit of a slow adapter. There was this moment where everybody wanted to be kind of digital and be on the iPad. And you could see the promise of what the iPad might have been in its fullest expression. But to reach that, it's just a tremendous resource. It's a tr- it takes tremendous resources. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of expertise. And at the end of the day, people just want to slide up, down, left, right. You know, they don't want to necessarily be submerged in some world. Of course, the cell phone came along in the last decade, and it's a supercomputer that fits in our pocket. I think people just want the information as quick as they can get it. They don't really care how it's packaged. So, um, so what's interesting is that I feel like, you know, while it's increasingly harder to find newsstands and find magazines on newsstands, where I live, I live on a peninsula, and honestly, there's like two bookstores and they don't even have uh, newsstands. The retail space is getting smaller and compressed because of the Amazon effect. It's harder to find the newsstands. But I feel like people are kind of equating now uh, the print product with luxury and they're seeking out the magazine and they want to, you know, they want something that sort of, uh, services their fantasy and the lifestyle you know, their, their idea of their best lifestyle in the South. And they want to read it at the beach and by the pool. And they want to, you know, drink two fingers of bourbon and relax in their, in their homes and, and, uh, feel a part of, you know, quote unquote, the club. We, we did launch a club too, which kind of helped early on. I don't know if you knew that, Amy, but we started the Garden and Gun I Club. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, and that sort of, that we did all these special events and we did these travel things. In fact, my editor right now is at a big event in Patagonia. All our events tend to sell out and they create a lot of that, um, sort of that myth around the brand. They help sort of keep that mythic, quality of the brand going but yeah when we thought we were going to close we started the garden gun club we had three levels you could come in at we had a thousand dollar level a five hundred dollar level and like a hundred dollar level and amy and no bullshit we had more people come in at the thousand dollar level than we had at the one hundred dollar level what do you get for a thousand dollars a thousand dollars you get a subscription you get uh at the time Yeah, you got uh, access to some of our premier events, and you would get kind of a um, kind of a trinket, some swag, we'll say, and that sort of thing. And it sort of quietly went away because it sort of served its purpose. And to be honest, for a magazine our size, it's hard to curate a club because that becomes a business unto itself. Um, well, I was going to say what I think you met, touched on that I thought was really interesting when you said it became like about a luxury product. Mm-hmm. And so I have been, so since I started here at Square, um, we go to all these places all over the country. 
all these businesses. We meet incredible people. We tell this, we photograph their stories mm-hmm. in a 360 way, in a storytelling way. And then, you know, we come back and, and only three images get used and they get used. Uh, you know, we don't ever see them and we don't know, as I mentioned. So I rarely mm-hmm. see where these assets get, we use the term assets a lot, which mm-hmm. I used to just hate, but you know, but anyway, but I had been pushing for all this time to say, we create all this beautiful photography. Mm-hmm. What if we repurpose that photography into mm-hmm. a publication? And I was told many times when I brought this up, oh, great idea. We'll do like a digital thing. And I was like, no, no. Yeah. What if we yeah. <laughs> send these to the printer and yeah. we make a book? I kept pitching this idea of a publication. Let's mm-hmm. make something that is beautiful that you can put in someone's hand that they mm-hmm. can see all the storytelling that we do mm-hmm. and that you could leave at events or whatever. And mm-hmm. I pitched it and pitched it and pitched it and I got pat on the head. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, somebody started here who used to be a designer she was, a, I think, a junior designer at GQ. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my editorial sister from another mister. Yeah. Do you want to make, make this magazine with me that we mm-hmm. will do as a side project? Because they're not going to understand what we're talking about until we show it to them. And she was That's like, right. a thousand percent, I'm in. And so she, uh, uh, her name is Chelsea Lee. And she used mm-hmm. to be at GQ. And mm-hmm. so she... Um, was working on this with me where we figured out what stories we had, where we figured out how we wanted to do it. And it was like a long time because it was like a side hustle for both of us. I have a really busy job and I travel Mm -hmm. a ton. I'm out of the office a lot. And Mm -hmm. so it was really hard to get the momentum on it, but we chipped away to chipped away. And then she's on the comms team on our communications team. I'm on the creative team. Well, somebody in comms saw what she was doing and was like, Hey, what's that? And got really excited about it. And they helped get the ball rolling because what that's what we really needed was somebody at the, like the level where they mm-hmm. could be like, we, we need this product and here's why. And so she got buy-in from some of the people, the, the, the top core people and someone, um, the head of our people team, uh, we were, we were pitching it as a thousand copies for first issue proof of concept. We were trying mm-hmm. to do the whole thing. Like, 15 yeah. grand or something. Yeah. And we made him a pitch. We showed him the whole thing. He said, I love it. I have uh, two requests. I will give you the money if you make 1,500 copies. I want 500 for myself. And if you put Flint, Michigan on the cover, because mm. we had done a story on Flint, Michigan that mm. wasn't about water, but was about how this is a, a a city that's been besieged by a lot of bad luck and how they're sort of trying to reinvent themselves through small business. And they have, there's a lot of um, momentum there from a lot of different people trying to, to do cool and innovative stuff there. And we had photographed it. So yeah. they said, he's want 500 extra copies and I want Flint on the cover. So we were planning to do something else for the cover, but mm-hmm. we said, okay, if those we're going to do it we realized that we didn't have because we didn't shoot for a magazine we yeah. just shot stuff mm-hmm. so we realized when we started really hardcore putting this together and we had momentum and money that we didn't have a cover image so chelsea and i went to flint michigan about 
um, six weeks ago, we shot a cover mm-hmm. with one of our hero um, subjects and um, came back. We have a name putting together. We're going to depress um, in December mm-hmm. and it's um, it's 100 pages issue we've gone from a thousand copies proof of concept to five thousand copies now wow um everybody is super excited about it now we had a wall meeting which nobody here knew what that was right walking the wall right we had a wall meeting and when people saw it and printed they were like oh is awesome and then everybody's talking about volume two and volume three and how we can scale this and how we you know and it's really exciting to see it because they're realizing the benefit of the luxury takeaway of the product in your hand that this can be used in all these different ways and i um i mean listen jack dorsey hasn't seen it yet um i'm hoping that you know he's not going to see it until it's printed and i'm hoping that he's gonna uh you know, be enchanted by it. Um, but, you mm-hmm. know, what do I know? Yeah. Very mercurial guy. Yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, anyway, I think it's the thing. Um, I've done so many projects here that I'm proud of, but I think it's the thing that I'm actually the most excited about. And not just because oh. I have an editorial background, yeah. but because it's the thing that I pitched that I got funding for that I super believed in. And now mm-hmm. seeing everybody buy in when they see, what it means, what it is, what it can be, and mm-hmm. and broadening the digital thinking. I think just because we're tech doesn't mean that we have to just live inside the computer and let's have real world experiences with real world objects. Right. You know, it's so neat just to to uh, you're coming to Square and you're bringing the full quiver of your arsenal. Um, that you all these talents that you honed from your time in publishing that kind of critical thinking yep. storytelling yep. um yeah uh, production the scrappiness the, scrappiness, yeah. the can-do attitude the yeah. you know you know figuring out the sauce the secret sauce what may, what's going to make for um interesting editorial content and then for you to sort of champion that and for them to see it it's so funny isn't it when they see something that that is is reflects light in a physical space you know pages bound pages they do get excited don't they they get real excited and 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 to think of all that content they had been walking away from that can live on and not only does it it doesn't just and they live in a new way like yeah hold in a new way so yeah. you may have like this, we have, you know, we did this series last year called Dreams for Every Kind of Dream. And we told, we did amazing storytelling and we did these very long videos. I mean, some were like it's between 12 and 20 minutes, which is very mm-hmm. long for a corporate really sponsored long. video. Um, but, you know, they were documentaries and they were really good storytelling. But like, who's seeing them? Like they're mm-hmm. living on YouTube, they're living on our website and they're beautiful. But mm-hmm. It's like, how do you get these into people's hands? And the, yeah. a good way to still do that is with a physical publication. Yeah. And you start and talking about... Can I tell you? Yeah. Oh, tell I was going to say, can I tell you one of the funniest, weirdest, um, like <laughs> the dream hurdle that you wish you had, but is actually kind of hard to work around? Not having any advertisements yeah. is 
weird. Um, yeah. When you're designing and, yep. and editing, like photo editing a magazine and curating mm-hmm. those stories, like mm-hmm. not having, like knowing every feature has to be a spread. And right. even front of the book stuff, still has to be a spread of a picture on one side and content on the other because mm-hmm. you you can't do single pages. <laughs> which is like, again, the dream, but then even things that you never think, you never have ever in your life had to think about mm-hmm. what the inside image of a cover should be, of the, mm-hmm. the inside image of the front cover and the back cover. And then what will the back cover be? Because right. everything is real estate. That right. is weird. As it a is long-time weird. magazine makers, mm-hmm. imagine that. Like it's <laughs> always like you're like, oh, if we didn't have this ad, this would be so great. But then you have the whole other hurdle of like, oh my god, we don't. There's there's no partials here. There's no. Yeah, it's so true. It's such a different kind of mindset. But ultimately, you know, with magazines, you have all these you have all these departments that naturally create key changes and pacing. And when you're working uh, uh, at a custom project like you are, um, you throw that stuff out the window and you have to get really creative to work around these things. And it's it's really fun. I thought I think it's kind of fun, you know, that exploration of what if what if I mean, we're in the what if business, you know. Exactly. And, uh, and it's it kind of great. Fun. No matter really what the visual challenge is, it's mm-hmm. fun. Like figuring out the hard way around partial ads and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That is fun too, because it's all creative problem solving and yeah. figuring, Oh my God, I have nothing but real estate. That's fun too, but it is still creative. Problem <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, it can be daunting. especially when you didn't shoot to any story. When I, some right. of these stories we shot a year ago, never sure. knowing or thinking they would be repurposed in this way. So then yeah. you're like, Oh, we didn't account for this. We didn't account for that because we mm-hmm. weren't making a magazine at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but um, all in all, it looks beautiful and I'm super excited. Oh, I excited know it does. If you're involved, it's going to be gorgeous. I just know it. I'd love know, to see it. You. I'd love yes, to sir. put my hands on one. If, if uh, Oh, yeah. I'm going to get some copies. <laughs> Jack Dorsey. <laughs> if Jack will let go of the one, company? I'd love to have one. Yeah. <laughs> if Mercurial uh, Jack will allow me to have one, I'd love one. <laughs> Uh, um, to to have what you guys have built and still be in the thick of it and still be, yeah. from my estimation, thriving, yeah. it's a real testament to what you've created there. And you should well, be really proud you. because that's super tough, man. But sweet of you to say, I'll tell you, I, when I started this, um, I had hair, Amy. and um, I remember you when you had hair. These uh, these bags under my eyes are quite colostomic sized now. So uh, my boyfriend had hair when I first met him too, and he doesn't have hair now. <laughs> it's taken its toll. It must be uh, me. <laughs> well, it's 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 hard to see the forest for the trees, but when you do come up for air or you do win an award, it, it does make it exciting, worthwhile. Now, what's interesting is that all the are sort of. All of our classmates have, have starting, including yourself, have started to kind of. It, it's it's encouraging to hear someone like you who's left traditional editorial publishing to go into the tech world merely to find herself, you know, dabbling in print publishing again. That's that's exciting and really really cool, and, and it makes me feel hopeful. Um, but it's funny to look back at all the guys that I held 
uh, when I say guys, I mean men and women that I held in the highest regard who, you know, like you said, they kind of, you know, they hit the glass ceiling or whatever. And they're, you know, and it's been really tumultuous times in publishing and have left and moved on to do yeah. other things. <laughs> and, uh, and here I am and I miss my friends, you know, I miss, I miss uh, seeing them at SPD awards shows and well, at the ASMEs. I get yeah. that though, because I feel the same way. I feel like when I was a photo director at a magazine, I had a camaraderie of all the different um, mm -hmm. magazines. And I have to say, like, I don't care for ego recognition style, but what mm -hmm. I, but what I miss is just like people knowing who I am professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't think, uh, you know, other, other than the, the people I've worked with and, and all the photographers I built relationships who know that I moved here, most people mm -hmm. don't even know that like we have an internal creative department, don't know that I work here, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's fine like i said i don't care for like recognition level but i just care for like that professional camaraderie that like that tribe. i don't feel like i have that yeah exactly yeah. i don't feel like i have that same um go-to group uh or like like when you were when i was photo director uh at la mag or when i ran photo at outside or whatever mm -hmm. and i I feel like I could reach out to to Alex Pollock or you know some of mm -hmm. these big big photo editors in New York or mm -hmm. even a Jody Kwan um, or someone like that and be like hey you know for whatever reason like professional like do you have any advice or not advice but like do can you recommend somebody for XYZ or whatever just mm -hmm. that I could because they would know just by virtue of where I am that my level of experience and know what I know kind of whereas mm -hmm. if I reach out to somebody now I have to say I actually know who a lot of people are I actually have these credentials I you know mm -hmm. people don't have the same sense of like what my credentials are and so mm -hmm. they don't um so it's just a different, you don't, you don't have the peers, I guess. You don't right. have the peers. I have, you know, a, a really small, there are two photo art directors here. Um, yeah. And she, and our other photo art director came from a very different path. She was, she came from a design background and she was a retoucher at Apple and whatever. And she's mm -hmm. a, a meticulous eye and she's very talented, Val mm -hmm. Ranham. But, um, but she just has a different kind of skills that um it's just different it's just a yeah. different experience and yeah. um i think also i was going to say that my experience with tech has been really positive but i don't know that that's true across the board i've heard many stories from other tech companies whose names i will not name <laughs> editorial people fled to where i've heard mm -hmm all different kinds of things a lot of tech companies sure. um yeah. where photo departments are structured very strangely where people don't really understand what a photo does or how mm -hmm. that works or what a photo editor is all the titles are really jumbly um mm -hmm. you know on one hand it's great you're not penned in by that masthead which is i think the most constrictive part of magazine making that if you're titles design director or photo director or managing editor that you, that's what you are mm -hmm. and that's what you be and mm -hmm. that's where you you know you don't you kind of can't live outside it's, that zone it's more nebulous in your world whereas like at a at a 
magazine, you have a masthead right there, and there's a pecking order from top to bottom or bottom to top, or right, you know, and everybody's got Which this in sort of some ladder. Ways is a relief, I know, but mm-hmm. it's so it's so back and forth because in some ways, what drives me crazy about this place mm-hmm. is the lack of hierarchy, yeah. and that you don't really know where the buck ever stops here, and and right. they really purposely designed it that way, and they kind of yeah. want these less, yeah. and so that's it's at once freeing and frustrating. Yeah. So, so you, you, so not having that, I mean, a big part of our life for a long time is having that editorial, uh, that, that editor's voice, that editorial leadership. And at a magazine, for those who don't know, the buck stops with the editor. He, you know, it's his way or or the highway, uh, her Mm -hmm. way or the highway, whatever the case may be. And I got to tell you, having worked at a number of outfits, you know, the, that editorial voice, that cocksure editor who's very intellectual and smart and decisive. At first, it can kind of rub you the wrong way, the decisive piece in it. But ultimately, you kind of crave it because you just you can only get it as good as you can get it. And you do 12 versions of something and you want somebody well, to... Well, somebody has to say yes at a yeah. point or no or whatever. Yeah, right. because you can just keep festering around like you just keep fussing with something and then you're mm-hmm. just like, well, I could do this all day long and nobody's ever going to say yay or nay. As a photo editor and as a creative director, a lot of times it's it's kind of, it's perplexing because you think you could make that choice, but you don't want to offend, you know, you don't want to upset the editor or, or it's not really your place to make that, you know, the buck kind of stops with him. So he needs to make, pull the trigger on the decision or she needs to pull the, but, pull the trigger. So I can see that but, being frustrating in the tech world where it's more nebulous all the way around. Yeah, but at the same time, I was like, I have to tell you, because I came here as the, my title photo art director. So that's not a title that exists everywhere. And that's mm-hmm. a really interesting place to be because as a, photo editor, photo director, whatever you want is picture editor, whatever your title is in a magazine, you are the curator of that magazine. You do do art direction and you also produce the photo shoots, most likely, especially with today's budgets. You're mm-hmm. rarely hiring producers. So you're doing mm-hmm. everything, right? Mm-hmm. So that, but you're still subject to what, uh, you know, a design director or creative director, and you're still working it out with them and what they want, how do they want to design it into the page and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. With the, the really great thing for me that this happened since I've been here is I came in this photo art director. What I want for the photography is what I want for the photography. And right. I get to say, I not only do I get the curation portion of it, which is one of my favorite parts of it, of the job, but that I, I say where I want to shoot it, how I want to shoot it, who I want to shoot it. And what's also freeing is that you're not backing in to a design. They mm-hmm. design, because usually the design comes much later here. Um, yeah. because you can you can shoot stuff months before they are ever going to even use it so yeah, or know how they want to use it right so you just out there use it. so they design around it. it yeah yeah so Interesting. all that stuff is yeah that's very it's very different it's in cool. a lot of ways than from very different yeah sure. and what's interesting particularly about this place as well like so you know square started 10 years ago and um, we now have tons of hardware, we have tons of software, we have all different kinds of products, right? So, mm-hmm. but um, Jack, our CEO, had told us about a year ago, had sent a memo to the company saying that he really wanted us to 
go back to startup thinking that like we're an established company now, but go back to everybody thinking of their team as a startup. And, um, and I think that's, um, I think what's cool about that is that you, the, there are no rules ever. And that again can be a scary place, but it also can be a, Hey, why can we get budget to do this thing kind of place? Yeah. And that's, like really unusual. I that sounds exciting to me because part of why I move so much is because uh, early on in my career is because I, I crave something new. And for a while there, I was the guy you called when you launched the magazine. And I love that because you get to be, you get to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks when you're in that kind of a culture. And one of the frustrating parts of my job now, and, and it takes a lot of deep breathing and meditation on my part, which I suck at, is, uh, and presence exercises. But, uh, but, but it's so hard is that we've baked, we've baked the pie and everybody likes the pie, but now you can't fuck with the pie anymore. You can't, you can't try something different because we've got to use what we know works. And I think that's what ultimately hurts a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of brands, a lot of these older brands that have been around, you can shake up the thinking a little bit too much. You know, there's a lot of turnover at staffs, you know, in in New York city, for example. Um, and everybody wants to touch it and poke it and change it. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about, you know, just trying some things, not willy nilly, but just trying some new things, some new thinking, you know, um, some new, new approaches to packages, uh, it's real easy to get into a mindset where you're just baking the same goddamn pie over and over and over and yeah. over again. And, uh, For sure. So we try to be careful of that. I was going to say, I remember the, in the last few months that I was at LA Mag, you know, we would do, the, we would shoot these covers. Like er, the covers started getting so, formulaic. Old, in my opinion, formulaic, overworked. Mm-hmm. They wanted mm-hmm. to tell. 16 stories in one image like like it was it was too much by committee i felt the fear you could feel the fear you we knew the numbers weren't good we knew the magazine was up for sale and in my opinion and listen i wasn't the the whole magazine didn't rest on my shoulders so it's like easy for me to say this from the sidelines sure, but in my sure. opinion i felt like that was the time to go balls to the wall instead of yeah. being timid and nervous that's mm-hmm. the time to fucking go for it because if if the numbers are shit anyway if we know we're being sold anyway why not just fucking go for it yeah and instead it was so the opposite and we would all agree on these these cover shoots that were just again in my opinion so overworked and overthought and then Mm -hmm. we would shoot them and they would reflect that and then they would we would end up running like for the last six covers in a row we would end up almost invariably running a stock cover even Mm -hmm. though we shot the cover there was Mm -hmm. so much fear and i think that um that a it's you know again and it's hard when when you're at the helm of what feels like a sinking ship you get afraid and but it's like you don't want to like let go and jump into the titanic water you know it's freezing (laughs) yeah but um but at the same time it's like with so many magazine brands like it's just it's either they're they're trying so hard to hang on to what they knew worked in the past Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's not 
pushing the ball forward for any, I mean, at this point, it's like, why not reinvent the package? Why not try something different? I think you can honor the past and some of those great, some some of the great ideas and, and how well they were executed. You should always honor the past, but don't hold on to it and turn it into all these sacred cows. I mean, you know, right. what, yeah, what worked for one generation, one generation may not work for the next. I, I'm, I'm very conscious of that because when we started, you know, our, our reader was a 50 year old man, you know, and that guy's 60 right. something now or late sixties, you know, and, and so we've got to be, and when we found out that our readership's a little younger now than it used to be. And so you still want to have some of that masculine energy there and present and a little bit of that, you know, uh, tradition and history or that sense of that. But you've got to modernize it a little bit. You honor the classic, you stay a little bit modern where you can, and hopefully that makes the brand timeless. There's a sweet spot right there in the middle and you want it to be timeless, but it's not just going to, you can't be holding on to the, you know, holding on so tight if you're going to do that. It's hard to let go. I think that I think that we're just at a point in our collective history that we haven't been in before. Where yeah. where like there are generations. There every. I mean, your kid included will never grow up not having mm-hmm. like a million photos of themselves. Right? They're mm-hmm. this. You know, mm-hmm. the younger generations are never not photographing themselves. They're never yeah. not like on these social media platforms on these. And so they're like, are they quietly reading a magazine for makeup tips? No, they're looking at some influencer on YouTube and like mm-hmm. all this shit. I don't like, we don't even know how any of this is going to carry uh, well, forward for well, the Gen Zers and below. Like, yeah. Well, uh, one thing uh, I'm hopeful that makes me hopeful is that, you know, everybody thought the record industry was doomed and now they're selling records like crazy and i think what happens is yeah every other generation craves something that their generation didn't have but the one before did and that's true uh, you know i grew up love i grew up in the 70s but i love 60s music you know and so i hope there will be a place for print and you know there was there were books and newspapers and that gave way to radio and then radio gave way to TV and now TV God only knows what TV is going to be in the future. I think why make anyone decide on any one medium? Give them give them everything. Let them have access to everything. You know, and hopefully there'll be a space for print publishing in the future. And I hope so. Well, like yeah. you said, I I mean I wonder if now if the tech companies aren't the content creators and if you know if, if all the money has gone to these tech places and there are all the former storytellers from all the magazines are now at the tech companies people still want to tell stories and tech by itself is boring it's not particularly you know there's a reason we shoot and we photograph our sellers and they tell their stories of how they run their business seeing our product in action isn't what's exciting and aspirational to people seeing how people are have made a success or have made their mistakes or seeing their failures or whatever and how they run their business that's what's aspirational for people so it's always about storytelling and so whatever medium that ends up taking if it's still print if it's online if it's or it's tech companies making print or, or whatever. Um, it's turning out to be podcasts. Like whoever would have predicted that like essentially yeah. radio completely came back around but just yeah. in terms of like particular, at least done, you know, curated episodes yeah. of podcasts. 
Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. You're amazing, Amy. And I you miss you. You're amazing, Marshall. I miss you. And oh. I can't wait to um, see you and hang out and spend some time with you. Back. Knock a few back. <laughs> we'll call Kate. Knock a few back with her, too. I know. I can't believe she called us during this, well, this uh, podcast. It's so funny. Before, before we go, I got one last question. What do you miss most about traditional publishing? What do you miss the least? And what do you what are you most excited for on the other side? Life after magazinedom. Like what is I'll what is what so exceptionally cool about being in tech now? I what I miss the most is having that hot off the press issue every month. Mm-hmm. I miss that. I miss yeah. having a physical book every month today and like being like I did that we made a full expression of all your time and energy spent in a collaborative environment and you can point to it and say we did this yeah I know what you mean and also and also uh completely knowing what the highs and lows of my monthly schedule would be knowing that this is gonna be my busiest time and this is gonna be my not busiest time so I miss that a lot yeah what I don't miss at all um I, what I don't miss, oh, this is what I don't miss at all. Mm-hmm. I do not miss at all having to send JPEGs from a photo shoot back to the home office mm-hmm. for a bunch of people, many of whom were not visual at all, to weigh in on for some godforsaken reason. They don't know what the <laughs> F is talking about. Like yeah. being able to be hired for my expertise and do my That's job right. and they get the photos when I come back and god damn it, I don't ever have to do that <laughs> at all. And I, I feel you. I miss uh, the least. Um, yeah. And then what am I most excited about? Um... Well, I'm really excited to get the magazine in the hot hands of everybody here at Square and see what that reaction is. And I'm just excited. I'm excited for, like, I just feel like like we have stuff coming up next year, campaigns. I get to be a part of fun stuff. Like, it's just exciting. We have budget to do things. Like, they think they have really tiny budgets here. But, of course, I know what a really tiny budget is. Uh But um, I just, I get a better, bigger seat at the table all the time. And yeah. every time I chip away and get a more of a say here and more expertise and, and get to have more creative input, it's super exciting and I love it. So oh, I'm going to throw that all right back to you. Answer oh. the same thing, three things. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Let's see. Well, I don't I can't answer the last because it hasn't happened yet. I'm still entrenched but you in can the, say the world what you're of publishing. excited for in the future, though. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, what I'll miss most about um, edit, if my time comes, is the camaraderie, sharing in a collaborative space with an incredible, you know, intellectual minds. That pursuit of telling the best story you can tell in a finite space. You know, I'm going to miss that. I love that you said the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows of the schedule, because that is so true. Because we we work right up till the eleventh hour. And then I get depressed after we close because I don't have any more dragons to slay. It's like my life suddenly has no meaning. Although at the same time, I feel like I can take a breath and I don't feel all bunched up. Um, yeah. So that part, that part really is nice. That's interesting. You, you miss. I won't miss all the woe, the doom and gloom when my time comes. Yeah. Uh, I won't miss all that bullshit about you know the demise of print and. 
all that shit. Because honestly, I don't think that's true. I think it's evolving and changing. I think it will continue to evolve and change, but I think it will always have a place at the media table. And so what I'm hopeful about on the other side, what I imagine the other side being is getting back to the spirit of entrepreneurial thinking, of that startup mentality, of saying why not and what if more. I miss that. But what I hope, what I hope for is that the problem is there's there's only so many ad dollars to go around and there's so many more yeah. ways to spend your money. And I kind of had hoped that we as a brand might sort of dabble more in deeper storytelling in other mediums. You know, I wish we had a radio station. I wish we were had a full-time podcast sort of situation here. Um, I wish we had a studio in the office, you know, a big photography right. studio. We've got a shit ton of space. Yeah. I don't know why we don't. Yeah. I wish that we could take design thinking and apply it to some of the things the marketing department are doing. Some of this design and editorial thinking and really, really sort of have a skunk works over there where we could push around things. I think a lot of magazines are kind of hoping that they can become ad agencies but I haven't seen anyone do it really well yet. For sure. And I just know, I know it can be done, you know, and uh, yeah. I'd like to see us push into that. I don't know if, but you always have those, you know, that separation of church and state in magazines. And I just don't know that, that right. it can happen here. Well, I but wonder the, if there isn't some things, you know, in the future that's sort of between what a magazine and what advertising is, or that's what tech companies creating content are. Really. Yeah. Yeah, you can really blur the lines. That that's one of the challenges when you do custom publishing is how do you make it surprising when it gets into the consumer's hand so they don't just disregard it as this is just they're just showing me corporate stuff here. You want it to right. be surprising and you want that you want the right. reader to find themselves being engaged and entertained without cramming the product placement right in their face constantly. Well, look, I know, I, it can never we stop. should probably wrap it up. I'll see you at SPD next year. <laughs>